0: From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick.
1: The job provides incredible opportunities. But the truth is, it's easy for it to take over everything in your life. And you can't just let that happen. Because there are other things in life that can be fitting as well. Namely, your time as a husband and a dad which is the other great honor of my life. Uh, That's why today I'm announcing that this year will be my last one as a member of the House.
0: When Paul Ryan announced that he was not going to run for re-election come November, it set off a stampede, really, almost immediately for his spot in leadership. He's the Speaker of the House, as well as his seat in Wisconsin's 1st Congressional District. We're going to talk about the voids uh, that uh, need will be filled probably pretty quickly, at least uh, where we might think that they are headed for November and the post-Ryan future in Congress. With two of my colleagues, Kate Ackley, who is the lobbying reporter here at CQ Roll Call, and Nathan Gonzalez, who is the editor of Inside Elections and our elections analyst at Roll Call. Kate and Nathan, welcome to Political Theater.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you. It's too bad there's not really much going on.
0: No, I mean, it's just one of those slow days. We can just, like, sort of walk right in and, you know, sort of stridently, like, look at the newspaper.
1: (laughs) It was so dramatic, I, I decided to take Uber to work instead of the bus. We need to get here fast.
0: It, it, I mean, Uber thanks you for that. You know? <laughs> They're not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> so, so, Nathan, let's start off uh, with you. You actually uh, you jumped right on this and updated your race ratings for Wisconsin's 1st Congressional District. Let's talk a little bit about what that race looked like uh, before 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday morning uh, when the news started breaking. And what it looks like now and what your ratings change reflects.
1: Yeah, well, it was interesting that uh, I was already looking closely at the race in the last couple of days. Uh, Paul Kane, a roll call alum and now Washington Post writer, wrote about uh, Randy Bryce, uh, also known as Iron Stash, the, the main Democratic candidate, Speaker Ryan. Uh, before today, and uh, and I was a little bit skeptical. He's raised a ton of money. He's raised millions of dollars. I wasn't convinced he was running a fantastic campaign. He was. I think you have to give him credit for a good campaign. So I was already evaluating the race. Now, I think with Paul Ryan, uh, with Speaker Ryan announcing his retirement, I think it's a game-changer. And we moved it the bottom line is we moved it from our solid Republican category to a lean Republican category. Uh, what I think might be getting missed though is that sure it's an open seat, but this is not a it's not a toss up district. It may end up being a toss-up race by the time we get to November, but this district is a Republican district uh, on the inside election side, we went back through four cycles of data, partisan races, statewide races, and looked at this first district and Republicans have won it every time. It's not just that Paul Ryan had been reelected. Even in this, in that most recent state supreme court race, it was a nonpartisan race, but the liberal Democrat won that race. Uh, she lost this first district, and so we're going to have to wait and see ultimately what kind of Republicans uh, run, uh, what does a primary look like, and uh, kind of wait and see. But I think lean Republican is the best placeholder for the race right now.
0: Now, one thing that's interesting about like back in Wisconsin is that our colleague, Lindsay McPherson, uh, our house leadership reporter at Roll Call, she was in the district last week and she talked to a number of people, like almost 40 people from county Republican chairman to, you know, to Democrats uh, in the district seemed to be thinking that he was going to run. Um, I mean, we were a little bit more skeptical of those claims in Washington. Is, uh, is this ca- catching the Republican establishment in, in this district by, a little bit by surprise, do you think?
1: Well, I think it's one of, it, it it shouldn't have been a surprise. I mean, all the signs and the quotes and the hedging were there. But when it when it still when it happens and it's reality and he's standing in front of the caucus, I think it's still a bit of a shock. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's and, and all those rumors. I think we took them seriously, but yet you want to hear him say it. And uh, and now we're it's uh, the new chapter. So Kate, and
0: I mean you're deeply sourced on K Street and among the community that raises a lot of money for races and so forth. Um, and this, this does create a void uh, where Paul Ryan was really Mr. Moneybags for the Republican ticket. I mean, he has raised, he's a national figure. He was Mitt Romney's vice president uh, nominee in 2012. I mean, he raised a boatload of cash. He distributes a lot of cash to incumbents uh, in the National Republican Congressional Committee. What are your sources telling you about what now uh, in, in the what is becoming the post-Ryan era?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of fear there about how this will affect uh, fundraising for particularly House Republicans. While this isn't a surprise and already potential successors had been jockeying behind the scenes for the speakership, particularly we have Kevin McCarthy, who's the number two in House Republican leadership, and the number three is uh, the whip, Steve Scalise of Louisiana. Both of them have been sort of working behind the scenes for weeks, if not probably months, Um, you know, positioning themselves potentially to be able to fill this void when it comes to fundraising. Uh, That's obviously not the only role of the speaker, but it's an important one, particularly in the next six months leading up to the election. Um, it's It's a crucial role. And you're absolutely right. Paul Ryan came into that job with an advantage that no one on Capitol Hill has right now. As having been the vice presidential nominee, he tapped into all that nationwide fundraising uh, network of the Romney campaign, so he sort of started off with an advantage that uh, John Boehner, the you know his predecessor, had was a prolific fundraiser. So he he kind of went on Boehner's shoulders, but he also had his own strength, and he had these policy chops that people like in the Coke network, you know, the the, the billionaire donors, they love this, you know, tax overhaul, these policy chops that that he brought. And it's going to be hard to replace that.
1: And, and there was, remember when Speaker Boehner left, there was concern that no one would be able to raise money like right. what he did. Right. And right. I think Speaker Ryan has proven to be able to raise money. But you're right that when you look at the bench, uh, I don't know that there's someone similar that brings those policy, that even the kind of the uh, the aura <laughs> that, that Paul Ryan brought to it, I'm not sure that that's going to be the, the same this time around.
0: In Paul Ryan's press conference, he, he cited as examples for, for sticking around through the end of his term a couple of Democrats. Uh, Tip O'Neill, who was the Democratic House Speaker in, uh, from 1976 to 1986. Uh, O'Neill announced his retirement before the 1986 elections, and he stayed on as speaker, and then he left in January and, and went golfing. Uh, and then also Harry Reid, who announced uh, he was the Senate minority leader, but he announced well in advance of the 2016 elections that he was going to be retiring, but he stayed on as leader. Immediately, though, we've seen some, you know, just this sort of jolt going through leadership cycles that this this is a different era. And even though Paul Ryan says that he wants to stick around and, and he, that he wants to not only serve out his term but serve it out as speaker so it's not too disruptive, I mean, it's been 30 years, thirty almost you know, 32 years since O'Neill did that. He's the last speaker to leave kind of on his own terms. Most speakers lose, they lose the majority or they lose their own races or they quit midterm like Boehner.
2: Well, I already had sources even before he did his press conference who were who were questioning how long can he really stay? And the fundraising is part of it. Uh, How does he go out and make the fundraising pitch when he's saying, you know, I'm out the door in a few months anyway? How does he go out and say, we're going to keep the House, you know, Republicans are going to keep control of the House. I'm so confident in that, that I'm actually leaving. That's not, you know, necessarily the right message. I've talked to people who, who put together fundraisers for House Republicans who said that they are getting calls from donors today concerned about this news. So you have the fundraising question. You know How is Paul Ryan going to go to his members and say, you need to take these really difficult votes? Some of you who are in the toughest races of your political careers, you need to go out there and take a tough vote. I'm asking you to do it, but I'm on the way out. Yes, he will be freed from the burdens of re-election and the the campaign himself. So you can make an argument that, that that's on the plus side for him staying. But there are a lot of other reasons, and I, I think you're going to see people saying this may not be a tenable situation, uh, but we'll see.
0: So, Nathan, uh, w- we got the news of, of, about Ryan, like, and then shortly thereafter we got news that another Republican was retiring. Dennis Ross, a uh, Republican from Florida, will always be known as the other guy who announced his retirement <laughs> on this day. So uh, does this portend, uh, like, we've already seen, you know, sort of a a lengthy line for the exits uh, among among House Republicans. Is this almost going to resemble like a a stock sell-off where people are just like, okay, I'm out?
1: Uh, It could. I mean, filing deadlines, uh, we we haven't even reached the filing deadlines in in a, a large chunk of states. So we could see, I mean, how many members were really hinging their political career on what Speaker Ryan does. I don't Something know. that Paul Ryan said in his in his press conference. Yeah, I mean, didn't... it sounds like Congressman Ross had already announced even maybe before this news broke. It sounded like he was going to do it anyway. Uh, it's a concern. I mean, open seats. Republicans are defending a ton, some because people are tired of this or maybe they thought they were going to lose. Others are running for the Senate or running for governor. It's, it's all coming together. Uh, I think we have to leave our our minds open to the possibility of more open seats, and then it, it matters where where are those open seats. For example, Ross, I think President Trump won it by 10 points. Uh, it's it's possible that it's it gets competitive, but it's not like uh, Ileana Ross, Layton, or Dave Reichert, who left districts that Hillary Clinton carried.
0: Right, uh, Kate. I mean, you, you mentioned that like it's difficult for somebody like Paul Ryan to go and and ask somebody you know who's left in a marginal seat or a competitive district to. To, to do a tough vote. I mean, some of these tough votes are coming up, maybe even tomorrow. I mean, we have a balanced budget amendment vote in the House uh, coming up. I mean, what are some other examples? We've got a farm bill, possibly. I mean, he was still talking about overhauling Social Security and Medicare <laughs> today.
2: Right. I mean, I don't think we're going to see a really robust legislative agenda, you know, over the next few months. But look, you know, the government funding for the current fiscal year will expire at the end of September, right? That's before right before the Uh, November elections. So you know there's at least one thing that that could be very controversial depending on somebody's district and whatnot would be let's not have the government funding expire and have a government shutdown or something like that so you, you know, even if some of these other measures don't move. Congress will have to do sort of its basic job of, you know, funding the government into the next fiscal year, which will begin October 1.
1: And that was going to be challenging before Paul Ryan. (laughs) And that's, I mean, Republicans have have shown that it's difficult to legislate even when they're in the majority. They can't get on the same page. So to go through a leadership fight, a, a speaker election, at the same time, I think just would be a disaster. You know, I think that being a lame duck speaker isn't great, but going through, I just don't see consensus for any single person. It's going to be a messy fight. I don't think just voters in general want to see fighting among uh, among one party as they head to the polls.
0: Our, our colleague, Stu Rothenberg, uh, he, he noted on uh, Twitter as soon as the news broke that uh, the House was, was more likely to flip to Democrats than not uh, before Paul Ryan's announcement. It is the same situation after Paul Ryan's announcement. If there were some sort of election, is say say Paul Ryan, you know, decides after careful consideration with his family that he is going to give up the speakership and maybe even, you know, leave for Wisconsin early uh, to take advantage of the, you know, three months of good weather <laughs> that, are, that are there. That could be a very short-lived speakership for whoever succeeds him, whether it's McCarthy or Scalise or whatever. I mean, be, if the Democrats take over, I mean, it could be, a you know, measured in, in months instead of years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been talking about what's, uh, what's Paul Ryan's future. Is he going to you know, retire? We've been talking about this for months. And there's always sort of this thing out there that, you know, the speakership may not be in Republican hands next year.
1: Right. We should be talking about, depending on the timing, who will be the next House leader, <laughs> Republican House leader, and not right. necessarily House Speaker, because you're absolutely right. There's no guarantee that that will be an option.
0: Now, one of the things also that Paul Ryan said that struck me and I, and I, I have to admit that this is um, this is kind of admirable uh, in, a, in a in a profession that sometimes is less than admirable the expectation is that you run for a re-election and then then you know if the majority flips or you know you're gonna leave then you leave right after that uh, this is something that uh, that Dennis Haster did you know the the after the the uh, Republicans lost the majority in 2006. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, Boehner apparently wanted to leave even before he did in 2015, and, but had to, felt like he had to stick around after Eric Cantor lost his primary race. That seems to be like something that's notably absent uh, th- of people saying like, you know, I just can't do that to the voters. I mean, I actually believe, I mean, in a, in a town filled with insincere people, that seemed to be a very sincere statement that he's like, I can't go to people in Wisconsin and say, please vote for me, knowing that I'm going to quit like two weeks later.
1: No, I agree. I I think it's maybe it's refreshing if someone actually says what they're thinking and they're kind of follow through. I think we could see the scenario that you were talking about play out on the Democratic side. I'm not convinced that Nancy Pelosi is going to be the leader of the Democratic Party next year. I think if Democrats don't win the House, it would just be a catastrophe. Um, And and she would have to step aside after winning reelection. And even if Democrats win the House, I think she might take it as a sign of, all right, I got the party back to the majority. Uh, I'm out. You know, we were at the high point, I was Speaker. We went through the valley. We're back to the mountaintop, and and I'm out. So, But that would be soon after she gets reelected by her constituents.
2: It is really a difference between the two parties on sort of how they look at seniority. And I was talking to a source this morning about Paul Ryan's retirement, and, and, you know, he made the point that it's sort of part of the House Republican culture that you you just don't overstay, whereas on the Democratic side you have— You do overstay.
0: (laughs) You stay you stay beyond. I mean, sometimes people are like, wow, you're still here. No. <laughs> right. Well,
2: House Republicans have term limits on their chair. Right. Chairman Democrats do not right. sort of ingrained almost now in the House Republican culture that you sort of do do your time and mm-hmm. and get out. And I think we're seeing that with Paul Ryan.
0: Yeah. And it, it, I will note, too, that I mean, so Tip O'Neill was the last one to go out, you know, like announcing a well ahead of time. Other Democrats who were speakers, like Jim Wright and Tom Foley and Nancy Pelosi, either lost the majority or lost their reelection races. It's Republicans usually who are who who are like, you know, what? I know I'm in the middle of my term, but I'm gone, like Boehner or Hastert or Newt Gingrich. All fascinating. Thank you so much, Kate and Nathan, for for sharing your thoughts. I mean, it's a fast-moving story, but hopefully we'll uh, be able to cover it in in more depth in the coming days. Uh, you know, because it, it's just it's just very interesting, and I, I really appreciate you uh, coming by and. and uh, enlightening me, for sure. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please take a little time and rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including Kate's story about fundraising and Nathan's ratings change, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.